Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This is going to be for Luke chapter 13. Uh, The first part here is a call to repentance. And there were present at that time some who spake unto him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men who dwelleth in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Mortality has dangers, and the righteous are involved in natural disasters and troubles the same as the wicked. Mishaps are not a punishment to those who don't keep the commandments in all instances. Verse 6 is the parable of the barren fig tree. He spake also this parable, a certain husbandman, who is God, had a fig tree, that's the Jewish remnant of Israel, planted in the vineyard, the world. He came in the meridian of time and sought fruit thereon, in other words, faith, righteousness, good works, gifts of the Spirit, and found none. In other words, the Jewish nation who was supposed to bring forth good fruits was not. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, he spoke to the Son of God, Behold, these three years, this is the period of Jesus' ministry, I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none, cut it down. In other words, destroy the nation as an organized kingdom. Why cumbereth it the ground? Why should it prevent the conversion of the world by occupying the ground and preempting the time of my servants? Verse 8, And he, the Son of God, answering, said unto him, God the husbandman, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. In other words, preach the gospel, raise the warning voice, show forth signs and wonders, organize the church, and offer every opportunity for the conversion of the Jewish nation. Verse 9, And if it bear fruit, the tree is saved. And if not, after that thou shalt cut it down. The Jewish nation shall be preserved as such, and its members gain salvation. Destroy the, the Jews as a nation if they don't obey. Make them a hiss and a byword, and scatter them among all nations. And many other parables spake he unto the people. Now the next section is a woman being healed on the Sabbath. Verse 10, And after this, as he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, this miracle is recorded because it took place on the Sabbath. It seems like a lot of his miracles do, don't they? Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise straighten up. Some mental or spiritual affliction attended her physical illness. That was by Elder McConkie. And when Jesus saw her, he called and said unto unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmities. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Jesus appears to have sought out the woman to show that it was okay to do good on the Sabbath. And the ruler of the synagogue was filled with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, in them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered and said unto him, O hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? 
And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound low these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Though Satan may rejoice in the afflictions, whether physical, mental, or spiritual, which befall mortal men, it is not to be assumed that he has power to impose them, except in isolated instances where people have complied with laws which permit such an imposition. Otherwise, Satan would shackle all men with ills so drastic as to destroy them. Verse 17, And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all his disciples rejoiced for all the glorious things which were done by him. The message of the lesson, sometimes we are overwhelmed with the requirements for exaltation. There are so many commandments, so many restrictions, so many duties, we come again and again to the word endure, and we tremble. We read the command, Be ye therefore perfect, and we despair. We remember that the Lord warned Joseph Smith of future trials and tragedies and then said, Hold on thy way, and we wonder if we can. But with all of this comes the other promises, the other insights. Exaltation is not as easy as catching fish at a hatchery, but is much easier than the alternative. The Savior said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that was all by Ted Gibbons. Verse 18 is the parable of the mustard seed and leaven. Verse 18, Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom of God like, and whereunto shall I assemble, or resemble it, or compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. This is symbolic of the kingdom growing, and angels coming into, unto the members of the, of the church. Verse 20, And again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, that which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. Verse 22, And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And there said one unto him, Lord, are there few only that be saved? And he answered him and said, Strive to enter into the straight or narrow gate, for I say unto you, Will many shall... Many shall seek to enter in and shall not be able, for the Lord shall not always strive with man. Therefore, when when once the Lord of the kingdom is risen up and hath shut the, the door of the kingdom, then ye shall stand without and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. But the Lord shall answer and say unto you, I will not receive you, for ye knew not from whence ye are. Then shall we ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught our has taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, ye know, ye know not from whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers, all workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth among you when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you are thrust out. And verily I say unto you, they shall come from the east and the west and from the south and the north and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are there are last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last, and shall be saved therein. Bruce R. McConkie said, Will few or many attain eternal life in the celestial kingdom? The answer of great concern to all who seek salvation depends upon what is meant by few. Few of what group? Of all persons born into the world? Of the portion of mankind who grow to a sufficient maturity to become accountable for their own sins? Or of the members of the church who have, over, who have covenanted in the waters of baptism to serve God and keep his commandments in return for the promise of eternal salvation hereafter? There are, of course, three kingdoms of glory to which resurrected persons will go, the celestial, terrestrial, and telestial. Of these three, only the celestial is the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom reserved for the saints who obey the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Great hosts of persons will go to the other kingdoms and hence will not attain salvation in the full gospel sense. 
From the spirit and letter of the prophet's vision on the degrees of glory, it appears that the great majority of accountable persons in the world will go to the celestial kingdom. He recorded in the revelation that the inhabitants of that lowest kingdom would be as innumerable as the stars in the firmament of heaven or as the sand upon the seashore. On the other hand, speaking to accountable persons and of attained and of attainment of the celestial kingdom, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, few there be that find it. In other words, proportionately few of the earth's total accountable inhabitants will gain salvation. The overwhelming majority of them will go to lesser kingdoms and receive lower rewards, yet the total number who will gain salvation will be great and not small. John, on one occasion, saw in vision a group of exalted persons who exceeded a hundred million in number, and, or, another occasion, he beheld a group of saved persons which formed such a great number that no man could number them. Included among the celestial inhabitants will be all the children who die before they arrive at the age of accountability. Of this group, President John Taylor said, without Adam's transgression, those children could not, be exi- could not have existed. Through the atonement, they are placed in a state of salvation without any act of their own. These would embrace, according to the opinion of statisticians, more than half of the human family who can contribute their salvation only to the mediation and atonement of the Savior. As to the members of the church, many will gain salvation, many will not. For accountable persons to receive a celestial inheritance, baptism coupled with personal righteousness is essential. For such persons to inherit eternal life in the celestial world, celestial marriage plus conformity to gospel law is required. Those members of the church who act accordingly will will gain the rewards indicated. Those who do not abide the laws involved will go to lesser inheritances in lower kingdoms and not gain full salvation. So we know from the what I just read by John Taylor that about half of the people born into this world have died before they reach the age of accountability. Therefore, uh, we know that more than half the people will be exalted. And when you consider then the number of people that will live during the millennium, which some have estimated may even exceed the number that have lived so far on the earth, uh, most of them will be exalted in the celestial kingdom. So it looks like most of Heavenly Father's children that come to this earth anyway will be exalted in the celestial kingdom. So God is very successful at being a parent. He's not going to lose more of his children than he gains. So uh, I think that most of God's, more of God's children, more than half of God's children will be exalted. Anyway, that's my opinion uh, from what I've just read. Okay. Verse 31. And as he was thus teaching, there came to him certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell Herod, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today, and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected. Herod would be the only person in Jesus' recorded life to speak directly to the Master, but hear nothing in reply. Jesus showed real and deep contempt for Herod, and that was by uh, Skinner and Ogden in verse by verse. Verse 33, Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the third day, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. This he spake, signifying of his death, and this very hour he began to weep over Jerusalem, saying, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who killest the prophets and stonest them, who are sent... Verse 34, This he spake, signifying of his death, and in this very hour he began to weep over Jerusalem, saying, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who killest the prophets and stonest them who are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Jesus won't be killed by Herod, but by his own people. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, ye shall not know me until ye have received from the hand of the Lord a just recompense for all your sins. Until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. So that's the end of the chapter, and we will see you next time. Bye.